Welcome back to part two with Lucy Bells and myself, Jane Tarrant, on Living More of a Life, the podcast. In this episode, Lucy and I have the first part of the real life conversation we had, which then went on to part one. This has been an incredibly difficult year for Lucy, but she's remained positive throughout wherever possible. I'm grateful to Lucy for sharing her story so others can hear how it can feel what it's like to live in this way and how this conflicts with the expectations of what you had for your own life when you haven't considered your health as an important part to focus on in your early years. You're in a situation now where you're not actually able to do the basic things in life most of the time, aren't you? Yeah. And yet you've come from living not just what I would consider a normal life, but, you know, you've partied hard, you've worked hard, you've you've pushed yourself beyond belief in the past. Mm. I've also had like a privileged life. I mean, I, I recognise that and I'm very grateful for that. Um, but it's just uh, quite interesting that um, things are very different now. Um, and I really compare my life to when I knew you Jane and it's things are very different um and I don't think I really appreciated um what life really held for me at that particular age that I was I think what were we 22 three yeah I think I was about 19 (laughs) 20 and you're about 22 23 um so yeah working working in London um yeah working in a state agency high pressure job um a lot more partying for you than for me but basically <laughs> uh you know hard pushing ourselves physically and mentally um t- talk me through a little bit about that kind of what that looked like for you and and how you sort of felt about it at the time your current mindset when you were that age um yeah sure well I I didn't realize I mean when I got into the job it was supposed to be only like a sort of summer job and I didn't realize that sort of how much money you could actually make um and it was there was some serious cash involved especially for someone so young and um yeah I mean it was great I was really independent away from my parents um I could afford my own place um the, the company's work ethic um was work hard play hard or work hard play harder um you know we were both you and I were actually quite good at what we did um we you know I think probably because we were quite honest people that I think our clients sort of trusted us um quite a lot and for that reason we actually did quite good business um and then because of that we the company would recognize that and would take us on these wonderful trips where across the world and um where we would be partying hard and then go back to working um hard again and it would be like a little circle of work hard and play hard (laughs) over and over again um but unfortunately that of course you do burn out after a while I actually wasn't that happy which I find really bizarre um I remember and I know you know the story about when I rented like that massive house it was one of the biggest houses on the books and I remember sending out sort of this email to the whole company to say that I'd rented out this house it was it was protocol so everyone knew not to go to the house and try and get you another like get another offer on it and uh it I remember thinking 
I should be really happy now, really elated. And all these congratulations sort of um, emails were coming in. And I just thought, why am I not happy? Like, I'm, I feel I knew that, that then something was really quite wrong and that money clearly wasn't everything. And I wasn't actually that happy in that particular role. So I, I find it quite ironic, really, because this year, 2020, has been pretty tricky year for me and absolutely nothing compared um to to what had happened I mean nothing really effectively had happened that was that bad um while I was at Marsh and Parsons but um this year there's been some quite fundamental changes in my life that have been awful and yet I am a lot more positive um than I ever was that you know, when I was then when I was 23 and just not liking my job, uh, just it's, it's just really strange. I guess it's just the way you adapt to life, how you learn from experiences. Absolutely. And you've basically gone from, you know, early 20s, partying hard, working hard, actually being very successful in what you did, um, which, you know, brought you some fulfillment, but then you realised wasn't making you happy. And, you know, living on sort of much more money than you'd expect to get at that sort of age and, you know, the perception of what we what we're like. Um, you've now moved on to, uh, you know, your next stage of life and and you recently got married as well, didn't you? Yeah. And all within a very short space of time, you know, close to now. What what have you gone through recently? What's kind of been basically thrown at you one after <laughs> another? Uh, well, the last uh few years I'd say maybe two three years I think I had a car crash which probably started it off um and they say there's always a trigger um and I started getting these funny symptoms of sort of like feeling faint I got diagnosed with something called POTS which um is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome it means um my blood doesn't flow correctly around my body and sometimes doesn't pump up to my brain and can make me feel really lightheaded as all the blood seems to pull towards um, my feet and and I faint Um, so that happened I was fainting quite a bit and my husband was obviously quite worried I think he was my boyfriend at the time Um, surprised he didn't run a mile actually (laughs) and uh, and then uh, I was working at a school and I loved the job I mean it was a completely different job to obviously working as an estate agent it was a job that I actually thoroughly loved um and still you know look back at it so fondly I still am in touch with all my colleagues I, I really loved it it was incredible the children were just magic um and I had this weird sort of feeling start to overcome me along with the pots of just sort of like really achy very tired I wasn't really sure what was going on I thought it was maybe I was just working so hard everything I did was for these children I was just you know working seven till nine um my husband would wait outside in the car like come on Lucy you've got to leave now um and I effectively I think I worked myself into the ground um but I think it was it was over the process of two years so um two Christmases ago where I was so ill I had to give up sort of my social life I just worked that's all I did I didn't on the weekends I just slept and one Christmas I just basically couldn't make it out of bed and my husband said right you're resigning this isn't 
this isn't good for your health like you can't live like this um I mean my father you know he was 93 um he also loves partying by the way um had more energy than than me both my parents had more energy than me and it just it just didn't feel right so I got diagnosed with ME I spoke spoke to my boss I said look I'm really sorry I'm just I'm going to have to leave I said I'll work to the end of the year just in case Ofsted would come and they did (laughs) so good job I did stay on Mm. um we did well um and uh by summer I then had resigned in July so I was devastated but I was determined I was going to get myself back on track I was going to get better well stabilize is what you call it and um I would go back to work and then um, possibly by January 2020 or you know in 2020 at some point uh, we went on holiday, fam- family holiday to our favourite place where we got married, um, Gozo, little island off Malta um, in the Mediterranean. And um, we had a great time. Dad loved it as usual. We had some friends over. Um, I mean, I was quite still quite tired. Um, I wasn't able. I had to sort of a siesta. We used to go out for supper. And then I'd, I'd go back to sleep again. There was a lot of sleeping involved, but um it was nice to have some family time with with my with my parents um and then we got back and dad while we were on holiday had had some like water retention so we took him into hospital and they said yeah we need to drain the fluid out of you nothing serious and you'll be happy to go sort of it next week so I went back to London went came back up and then all of a sudden he actually got an infection which um, he got sepsis from and died the following week and it was absolutely heartbreaking couldn't believe it it was awful we just I mean we would we would only been talking to daddy saying they said we have to ask everyone of this age would you like to be resuscitated yes please I have no intention of going anywhere so to suddenly be thinking he's not going to be with us was just horrific and we were we're a very close family of three um I'm an only child I do have stepsisters I won't go into my family um history but um it was yeah I mean it was we are we were really close and we just it just came out of nowhere so uh he didn't want to ever organize he said I don't want you guys to have a funeral we've always we always talked about what we'd like um and he wanted his body to go off um for to science and things like that so he said but I do want a party and he'd actually planned this party he wanted so we organized this huge party at one of his clubs that he had set up and it was great one of the evenings just before we went to his party I found a lump on my breast on my right one and I found that it was breast cancer the follow like two days after the party mum was obviously sort of like so distraught just she had cancer twice before um and and she just was just it, it just we just didn't have time to grieve it was just awful it we can believe it. it was quite serious within I mean I just thought it was going to be you know he, the guy even said the, the the doctor even said you know it's got to be a, a gland or um, don't worry it'll be you know some extra like tissue or whatever and then I just knew as they were 
as I was walking down this corridor and it was taking me into the nice room that suddenly actually this could be bad news and I was thinking my god no like I'm not ready for any more bad news um I still like even now talking to you I can still feel that feeling of like sick fear coming into my stomach and I remember thinking diving onto the floor when he told me and the alarm and I'd say so I was like don't worry I've got pots I faint I was like especially when I have like funny news I literally just go so I laid down on the floor and put my legs up in the air and I said which is against like sort of a chair and I said don't worry as I you can keep talking to me <laughs> like just I was like I just need to get into this position before I faint so he starts telling me said right well it is so grade three, you're going to need chemo. My immediate thought was, oh, my God, my hair. I've got like really long, blonde, thick hair. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Um, and then radiotherapy and, you know, we need to first of all see if it's spread. I was like, what do you mean spread? I was like, oh, my God, like this is just and this is just unreal. Those next two weeks, I mean, I don't, didn't really eat much or I think it was a week actually I found out if I had spread or not and it hadn't, thank God, it hadn't gone into my lymph nodes. I'm so lucky. Um, but they said, you know, chemotherapy could actually have a um, an effect on your ovaries. So we're going to have to rush you through with IV, some IVF. So my husband's now driving up from London um, to it was all in Bristol that this happened um and uh they said look just Covid hadn't really come about at that time or it wasn't really being talked about he said while we're here it makes it well let's just do it all up in Bristol this is the doctor speaking he said let's get it all done in Bristol saves fapping around transferring you to London and we're really good he actually ironically had seen my mum um, with her breast cancer as well so I felt like I could trust him I didn't want to I wanted to be under his care so we went through the whole IVF thing very lucky we got some embryos I think nine or ten are on ice and <laughs> uh, we don't plan to hatch them all uh, <laughs> um, we hoped, um, yeah so we hope we hope to have one eventually one day but at the moment you know the treatment that I'm still on um won't allow me I've got to stop my body from producing estrogen which is what the cancer lives off so I can't have children um for at least another two years I mean they've said bye can I just stop you there just before we carry on this is really really important part though you know I'm pretty sure you probably would have grown up thinking that you were just going to have children one day Mm. yeah yeah and And it feels like a bit of a given especially especially working with children that's what you know I, I I was I was so we were so keen we were thinking about starting you know in the next either this that year that that particular time or the following year you know you know that was the kind of time frame we'd given ourselves so this came straight in so your dad died you got cancer having already been struggling with POTS and ME or chronic fatigue syndrome you've had all of this all at once and this is all at a time when you were hoping to start a family yeah yeah so your expectation of what your life was going to be and what it turned out to be have been incredibly different. Yeah. And that was weird as well. That's interesting. You should say that, Jane, because when you find something out that is so doesn't go along with your life plan, it's really. And I think you and I are quite similar that where we say, oh, this is what's going to happen. We plan ahead, whereas I am a massive planner. And suddenly to say, oh, well, you're not going to be able to do this and 
you might not have this and you might have to have treatment in Bristol for the next year uh you know you're going to be having chemo for six months it's just you feel like but what about going to Barbados and being a bridesmaid for my best friend's wedding what then I mean it was just all these things were in my head and they're like you're going to have to cancel that it's like that's ridiculous I'm not cancelling that like it was it's just insane then you start and it's we 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 aren't brought up to kind of not be able to do what we expect to be able to do either um yeah and and you sort of think if I want it enough I'll be able to do it and you know Mm. whilst that can be true for many things health is something that really stamps a foot in front of that isn't it yeah yeah exactly health is wealth which I've now realized yeah you are now in a bit where you've had to basically freeze some eggs Mm-hmm. Uh, is that right? Yeah. Um, and the reason being that they've actually had to stop your menstrual cycle completely. Mm-hmm. And if they put you into, is it like an early menopause or like a temporary yeah. menopause? Yeah. So those are my symptoms now of having the hot flashes. And um, well, I won't go into all the details. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not nice. <laughs> I really take my hat off to those women who do go through the menopause. I didn't realise they were, it was that tricky um but yeah um it's yeah it's it was it was a bit of a shock um we'd also got a puppy which I was training before I obviously knew all of this to be a medical dog the POTS um charity um and my consultant POTS consultant had said I would you know I could do with if I've come off my POTS medication I could possibly have a medical dog which um, could alert when I was about to faint and we started to train we had a dog he was called Shocky um, and I started to train him so um, sort of if I fainted I would feel faint go onto the floor and he would smell what that 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 what I would smell like it's a special scent and he would he would alert me he was actually really good and really coming along um so and he was a wonderful distraction when I found out that news and you when you think when you've been told you've got sort of grade three quite fast growing cancer um you suddenly think oh god am I going to die and I thought to myself well at least dad's there I'm not going to be lonely um, but then I felt so awful for my husband, my mother and this poor little puppy that had just come along. I was like, God, what's going to happen to him? He's going to be so upset. Like, you know, that's just so cruel. Um, and, you know, my, I was you could see my doctor could see what I was thinking. And he was like, you know, breast cancer is treatable these days. Don't worry. Um so I was going along with, OK, fine. But I, in, really, in my head, I thought, am I going to die? And I thought that for the, the next two weeks till I found out it had spread. Um, then a few months later, as I start to prepare to go into chemo, my stepsister, um, when not blood related, um, said, I don't know how to tell you this, but I've just been diagnosed with terminal grade four, um, stage four um ovarian cancer so I said yeah she was just um I was like well I was like there's just two of us in this together um she was like I didn't want to rain on your parade I was like trust you (laughs) 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 um but we have we had very many jokes about pulling the old cancer card between us um 
she was incredibly strong and I think between us because we were both so positive my mother was the one that sort of led the way in terms of dealing with cancer and being positive um, made me think actually this is this is the way to do it and sort of got us us through um, the next few months then Covid obviously started um, raising its ugly head and that was really scary for us Um, basically my sister and I thought god cancer's not going to kill us but this bloody virus is um so her son who had been traveling um had to come back quarantine himself and then come and looked effectively looked after her and my mum and chris looked after me and we lived in one big house together and actually we had so much fun I mean I put stuff on Instagram all the time and I thought people used to think we were having dinner parties and having fun way too much fun and actually I was like no this is just my family all of us just having fun in the garden or you know on a Sunday having a roast together it was it was really really quite we were very lucky actually um you had a sort of little oasis of people Mm. that you could you could join and and Mm. and make the most of the time that you had with I guess because at the end of the day it was so unsure for you yeah yeah we had it was it was a really strange experience because we couldn't leave the house um I went in spoke to my doctor about shielding I said when you say I can't go out do you mean I literally can't go out and walk my dog and she was like yeah you can't do that until you're able to drive until they allow you to drive to a a space where you can walk your dog that is safe then I don't want you leaving your house because we do live in a high street so I would effectively pass people on a pavement which she said wasn't safe so I didn't um and then I think it was like I can't remember how many months it was into it I, had, I celebrated my birthday in lockdown um and it was really fun I just I I don't remember us having I mean there must have been there were a few sad days especially when the chemo days were were pretty rubbish um but most of the time it was like quite good but we all had sort of like quite positive spirits and then um something horrific happened after that we found uh I was walking my dog one day and I noticed he he wasn't jumping up on my bed and jumping into the boot when we went for walks and I knew something wasn't quite right and he had this like little swelling on his tummy and what had happened was he had a tumour that was pressing on his spine um, that was making his stomach sort of come out and he, he never complained or anything and now this dog had really provided us with all five of us with the joy in our lives that it was just incredible it got us through lockdown and we were like nothing can happen to him and everyone was saying don't worry vets are amazing these days it's not going to be anything serious and I had this incredible vet and he said look it could be worst case scenario a tumor maybe cancer but it's so unlikely I think I've only known of one case ever um and then it was and it they did an MRI scan and it was everywhere and it was horrific we couldn't be with him in the vets um he was so scared um he was so scared it was just awful I mean it broke our hearts we just I think it's it's so he just we just weren't weren't expecting it really um and 
I mean, it took a lot for us to get over that. I mean, we we were sat there for two days waiting for the results. Um, just I couldn't leave my bedroom. I was just I was so upset, so worried. I just thought this can't this can't happen. And everyone kept saying, don't worry, it's not going to be that. It can't be that. And then it obviously was, which was even worse. Um, and then. Uh, and can I we, did, did that yeah. make you feel like I mean, he was. I guess the closest you have to a child right now, yeah, you know, did yeah. it make you feel the sort of emotions as though you were losing something as kind of as precious as a family member? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole family were devastated. We just and it. I mean, you'd think after your father, my father had died and everything, you just you wouldn't think that like some people might say oh, it was just a dog but he wasn't just a dog he you know when when my father died the first thing my mum said you know when we were driving to the hospital to go and see him after he'd passed away was when's this little puppy coming because she knew how much joy he was going to bring us and we loved him and that unconditional love that a dog brings you it just he he was there when we cried he licked our tears he knew what to do he was incredible um so that was just it was it was absolutely horrific I just I can't explain to you how bad that was at that point we were really low um and I kept thinking is there something why is it me what's all these bad things happening to me um and then um sort of managed somehow to snap out of it again mum probably pulling us all through saying come on this isn't this isn't how we're going to we're going to get through life by being upset and crying he wouldn't want this um the breeder was wonderful she sort of said we've got a new litter coming along like obviously in month they've given us time would you like me to put my name your name down um and we'd be like yes of course so um we've got his little cousin currently <laughs> his name is so his name was the previous puppy was called Shocky after my father his surname was Shock and everyone called him and me Shocky um I didn't come up with a name because obviously I would be calling my dog after me and <laughs> <laughs> everyone else sort of the family just decided that was his name and now this one is called Wolfie um he's anything far from a wolf he's a little melt <laughs> <laughs> he's scared of everything um but he is a little sweetheart and again brings us so much joy and love um but unfortunately as I spoke to you at the beginning of this conversation before we started the recording um we have just had some other fabulous news um very sadly my mother has got cancer for the third time it is recurrent um and we have are going to have a scan um, next week or oh, no this Friday actually to see if it has spread and obviously we're praying when we get the results the following week that it hasn't um, oh, but yeah it, 2020 has been a it's bit been a yeah <laughs> of a tricky one yeah and, and your mum has been your absolute rock through this she's been the person that's been mm. taking you shopping she's been the person that's been caring for you when you can't walk around and you know yeah. helping with the dog and you know basically getting you through this so your mum is your absolute rock isn't she yeah, yeah. um she's, how do, she's my best friend yeah how do you feel now in terms of 
she's been your strength do you feel you've got the strength for her do you feel that you she's kind of taught you how to be like that um, do you know what? that's really interesting you should ask me that because I'll be really honest last week when I found out the news that was my instant fear I felt scared my sister's just come out of chemo um and already her strength is back to where it was mine isn't which makes me think that mine's now is still my ME in play which is really frustrating so there are days where I can't leave the house or I've gone shopping with mum and I've been too tired to walk around the supermarket and I kept thinking how on earth am I going to look after mum and do the shopping for her when I can't even do the shopping with her now? Like, what? what who's going to look after us? My husband is in London working. I can't ask him to do any more. I mean, he says he will. I actually, I was, I was so worried um, last week. I, and mum doesn't know this, but she will if she listens to this. I actually called her best friend and said, we've got some unfortunate news can you come over I'm and I said I'm really I'm really struggling I don't know what to do I'm 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 talking I'm I'm, I contacted you because I don't think I can deal with this by myself um and she was amazing I mean her best friends like I mean the two of them together are like ab fab ironically she's called Pat or Patsy as well so um (laughs) so um sort of yeah she's going to be she'll she'll be there on hand to help and we have lots of people who've offered to support us um but it does feel it does feel scary when it is you know when when you suddenly are being told that you've got to be that one that to to step up or you feel like you've got to be that one that steps up I was going to say it feels more that you feel it than you actually have to do it I mean I'm assuming Mm. your mum never turned to you and said by the way you're going to have to support me now it's just I guess you just feel that reciprocal yeah. Um, feeling and I guess because it's the two of you together you, you you'd do anything for, for your loved yeah. ones wouldn't you I mean yeah. you've you mentioned your ME there um some people don't really know what ME is so can you just describe kind of how that affects you on a day-to-day basis yeah, yeah. so I just have no energy um I have uh sort of I get I wake up start feeling a bit achy um very tired I take my tablets um as soon as I start to feel that sort of pain um sort of it's like I call it the flu feeling it's like the initial onset of flu um I start taking something I might take something a bit stronger than paracetamol I'll take maybe some codeine and I just hope that that's going to really help sort of um take alleviate the pain and and get me through the next part of the day um sometimes it doesn't though and I literally need to go back to bed in the afternoon and have either a rest or a nap um but it is I there are things I'm there are things I'm just unable to do I can't go to the gym I can't work I can't um sometimes I can't walk so you know I do worry about being able to walk the dog um because I don't I do have friends actually who are local who said anytime you need we can walk the dog for you um but there are lots of things I'm just unable to do on those really really bad days I do however on a more positive way of thinking um I've got a a counsellor or she's actually a psychologist but she's worked with people with ME before and she's sort of talking me through different ways of managing my symptoms and they are it is helping it's difficult it's not as a quick turnaround as much as I'd like to be better tomorrow um but it, it's certainly helping um but yeah I mean it's 
it's it's a really really difficult thing to get through it can actually I've had some really really blue days of not just wanting to get out of bed just thinking god what's happened to it comparing my days of those busy estate agent days and where I was partying and clubbing and things like that I mean I just I've only just started I'm definitely doing better than I was um I've only just started being able to go out occasionally um and enjoy a meal at a restaurant and not have to come home or have people over to 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 for tea and not have to go up to bed um because sometimes it is you know I I do have to say I'm really sorry I know I've literally just organized it and it's what you're one minute away from turning up but I, I I can't see you I'm I'm really not very well um it's it's a very um debilitating illness um and quite difficult to um to cope with emotionally mentally um and I think can be very frustrating for loved ones and my best friends have been incredible but I can see sometimes they're just sort of they say what's what like what's wrong so you, you, I think I don't know if, how I come across now but lots of people do think I've got lots of energy and I'm really bubbly as a person very friendly outgoing um but those t- days or times when you know during the day where I, I I'm crashing out I'm almost unrecognizable um it's not that I'm low in mood it's just it, it's just what happens when um you run out of run out of energy absolutely and this this kind of energy concept is really interesting because I'm struggling with energy as well at the moment not to the same degree um but I have real highs or real lows um at different times and I guess when someone is so used to seeing you in a particular way and in a particular kind of um capacity you know you have such energy or an outgoing person and they can't yeah, really definitely... kind of fathom the other end of the scale because they've yeah. just never seen it or they think well how can you be so you know energy for one minute and not the next you know it's yeah. a bit up and down surely you've either yeah. got energy or you haven't and it's yeah. not really like that is it you you really swing very quickly yeah yeah it's really interesting you saying it Jane because I know exactly you're actually a really positive person so even I find it hard to imagine you with low energy especially as we used to work together and I mean you were just you were like roadrunner running around and always so lovely and sweet and positive do it almost like you do anything for a friend really kind and so those days of you having no energy are very very difficult for for me to imagine um however completely uh, understand that you must do because I have to go through the same kind of thing um, but it is it, as you said it is so difficult for people to understand. If you're going through anything similar and you'd like to get in touch with Lucy she's available on Instagram at shock as in electric with loads of underscores between the shock so check it out in the show notes. To contact me I'm available on Instagram at incrementaljane via my website canidoitmyself.com or on LinkedIn and Facebook under Jane Tarrant. Thanks for joining me again. Look forward to seeing you next time.